You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tim is coughing, so I'm I'm supposed to say welcome to Strange Familiars. <laughs> he is not sick. <laughs> <He's> just... <laughs> it's not Corona. <laughs> it's not Corona that I know of. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, if you've seen something strange, if you've had an experience with something unusual, something paranormal, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail dot com. Welcome everybody. I hope everybody's healthy. We are living, indeed, in interesting times. Yeah, isn't that a curse? It is. This I, is... Uh, now, I don't want to put too much into me having bought a monkey's paw last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it did seem like um, within two days of buying a monkey paw... The excrement hit the fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We should give some context to the monkey's fall because it's just like we didn't just go to some weird market and have someone cut a monkey's hand off. Um, this was at an auction. I was at an auction, it's yes. A, Not that that makes that less weird that there no, was a monkey's paw there, but... but presumably, I, yeah. it has some age to it and it's not new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have, an, we have a monkey's paw. <laughs> yeah, I also bought last week a vintage smallpox vaccine. Quarantine. Now, that I found more ironic. Yeah, we were in another secret hidey hole of forgotten ephemera, and they had a smallpox sign, a smallpox quarantine sign. Yeah, and then so I, that's very timely in a, in, a, in a way. Yeah. So we're going to try to pump out some extra content for everybody during these times where we're all stuck inside and looking for things to do. We'll try to give you guys some extra content. We already dropped an extra patron episode, which I didn't really promote because it was all about the virus thing. It was just... Yeah, and it's like, I don't... Does everybody want to hear... Not You know, pick and choose if that's what you want to hear. Yeah, and I didn't want to seem like I was using the virus to try to get more patrons. It just wasn't like a normal Strange Familiars episode, so I didn't want to drop it as a regular episode. Yeah, it was very off the cuff and... I mean, not to downplay like that it wasn't worth putting out or something like that, but no, it's just, you know, not everybody wants to hear about that, and so... The takeaway from that episode is that that won't be what we'll be discussing. No, absolutely not. Uh, One time and done. Uh, That's enough for us. Yeah, let's get back to not normal, but... (laughs) Yeah, nothing we've ever done has been normal. This is essentially paranormal. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to paranormal. 
So what are we going to listen to tonight? Tonight, I will be playing an interview I did with Caleb. He talks about some sleep experiences he had as a child and something called Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which I had never heard of. And I thought that's something I should have heard of. But yeah, that was fascinating. That. Yeah. And it's not um, it's not as dark as you as Alice in Wonderland syndrome might be. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who know the history of Lewis Carroll. <laughs> All right, let's talk to Caleb and hear his experiences. All right, tonight we're talking with Caleb, who has a number of experiences that he wants to talk about. Did you want to talk about this, whatever it was, this fox thing that you saw when you were a child first? Sure, sure. Um, Might as well go chronologically, um, because uh, this is actually probably... My first memory, this was back in around 1993 or 1994, so I was about three or four during this time, and it was in Austin, Texas. So um, this event occurred when it was a night, and uh, we were. I was up on my second floor in the bedroom and laying there looking at the ceiling, you know, just before I drifted off the bed and uh, sorry, I get nervous talking about it. But uh, anyway, so I was looking up at the ceiling and I see this shadow start crossing across the ceiling and it uh, stops over top of my bed and it begins to, you know, kind of coalesce and takes the form of uh, the head of a fox and yeah, of course, I'm getting freaked out, um, and I starts making this garbled, growling noise, and turns its head, and I know it's looking at me, and the sound just gets louder and louder, and I'm freaking out because I'm only three, three or four at this time, and so I scream and uh, throw my blankets over my head, of course, like little kids do, and. Next thing you know, you know, my parents are rushing in the room, turning on the light, and there's nothing there. And um, they're like, oh, it could have been a fox from outside casting its shadow on the ceiling. And, you know, because we got a street light outside. But I'm, even at that age, I knew that a fox couldn't cast a shadow from the first, from down on the ground to all the way to the ceiling of the second floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I knew that wasn't it, and I knew I heard it growling at me. Um, so obviously that that couldn't have been the case, but uh, definitely scared me. And it's it's the only probably the only memory I have at that young age of being in Texas. Um, but it definitely has stuck with me through through the years. Now, did it look? I mean, I know you said it was just a head, but did it look like a natural fox? Yeah, but uh, maybe maybe a little bit larger. Maybe the head was a little bit larger. But I could definitely see um, – at first, like I said, I saw the side profile of it, and um, it had, like, pointy ears and the muzzle, and I could see the teeth um, and the outline of the teeth in the shadow. Of course, there wasn't any other details I could really see. Like, I couldn't see its eye or anything like that because it was just a shadow, so it was black. And then when it turned its head toward me, um, you could still see the ears, but it wasn't a side profile anymore, and then it started growling at me. So that was that was a 
pretty freaky experience. So when you were young around this time, did you have a lot of encounters with natural foxes or were they, you know, were they around your house or anything? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, like I said, I was really young, so mm-hmm. um, I barely remember anything of, of that time. And this is the clearest memory I have um, during that age. But no, not that, I, not that I'm aware of. I wasn't really thinking about foxes, around foxes, you know. I just the only thing I can remember during that time is we had some little neighbor girls that I used to run around and play with, but that's that's about it. Fairly huh. happy little kid. Yeah, you wonder. You know, assuming this is something that was pulled from your subconscious or your memory bank or or something like that, and I'm not saying 100 percent that's what it was. I'm just saying like that these hypnagogic things like that. You wonder what what symbolism you know that that you had you know incorporated or or been exposed to or whatever, as opposed to I'm thinking like a wolf or like just a dog or something else, you know, like like why the particular you know of all the canids, why a fox? Sure, and you know I've I've wondered that over the years, and it's funny, you know, and you it could, you're right, it could be something hypnagogic um, or something like that, but. <clears throat> which, which Actually, by the way, in no way discounts it, in my opinion, from being something also paranormal. I, th- I think these are intricately related. How exactly, no. I can't tell you, but I, you know, I do think they're related. Sure, sure, I agree. Um, well, what I was about to say was that um, last year I was talking to my dad about that experience, and we'd never talked about it before. And my dad was like, yeah, that was really strange. He's like, you know, I don't know what that was, but, um, you know, your brother saw something like that a couple of years ago. And I had never heard that before, that my younger brother, because I'm the oldest of the family, and um, only one of my other brothers had been born at that time. But one of my other brothers, that's probably like seven years younger than me, had apparently experienced something similar that I hadn't heard about. Was this in the same location? No, this was um, that was in Texas, and this was in North Carolina that he told me that. So completely across the United States. Um, so I don't know if that um, has something to do with my experience or something completely different, but I just thought that was an interesting parallel there. Yeah, it, it really is. Was he around the same age that you were when you experienced it? Or you know, I, I didn't ask him what age he was whenever he saw it, but I'm pretty sure he was um, actually quite a bit older, probably a teenager by that point, whenever he saw it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. See, that makes it even more interesting. Like, You know, like, and one of the reasons why I brought this up was um, because I think I'd heard on one of your shows before, somebody said something about it in passing. Um, I'm pretty sure it was on your show somebody was talking about yeah i had a lot of experiences and there was i saw this weird uh shadow fox thing and we they never really got around to talking about it but i think i heard somebody else on your show and that's one of the reasons why i was just wondering if if somebody else had heard about something like this before yeah yeah and that happens sometimes we'll get into so many stories with people that one or more will just get glossed over and i'll forget to get back to them sure i I don't remember the particular interview you're talking about but that you know i do enough of them where i I can't remember every every single one if someone has seen something like this i guarantee they'll contact me it it almost 
it almost always happens. I'm going to say usually when somebody talks about something, a good 75% of the time or more, someone will, will email. Even probably more than that. Probably it's about 85 to 90% of the time, honestly. Someone will email and say, I've seen that. Yeah, and um, it wasn't like a shadow person like I've heard people talking about before um, because it wasn't like blacker than black. And, you know, it was definitely a shadow, um, you know, like somebody casting a shadow on the wall. And, you know, it'd be like if, you're, if your mean older brother tried to take a puppet and go on the wall and try to scare you with the shadow of it, you know, rather than something that was uh, tangible, if you know what I mean. Oh, so it didn't, like, it never sort of took a 3D form, necessarily. No, it wasn't a 3D form. It was literally a shadow. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, it, it was like if somebody took a shadow, I mean, took a puppet and, you know, started talking with it, except for, you know, started growling and screaming with it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure if someone's seen something like that, they will contact us. Yeah, and I mean, I had some other weird things happen whenever I was a child, if you want to hear about them. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alice in Wonderland syndrome, Um, but um, it's something that happens to, a lot of times it happens to children and teenagers. And apparently it's very rare. I never really had a name for it until I... I I feel like I should have heard of this, but I have not, so I'm particularly interested, yes. Sure. So doctors aren't very sure what causes it. They really don't know. Sometimes it can be accompanied by migraines. Um, but what it is, is uh, I can only give you my experience because it varies among among people. But in my experience, whenever I came, whenever we have moved to North Carolina, again, this is happening um, in the evening time right after when I'm laying in bed. Um, and I this happened many, many times to me. I would be laying in bed and I'd be staring at the ceiling and I would have big uh, posters on my wall like children do. I was in the National Geographic stuff, so I had like frogs and I was also a fantasy nerd, so I had like dragon posters on my walls and stuff. So anyway, I'd be looking at these posters as I'm falling asleep and they would get really close to my feel like they were zooming into my face and then zooming out really fast. And then they would zoom in and zoom out some weird and they said, and the doctors say it's not something to do with the eyes, but they think it has to do something with the brain, but they don't know. They, the doctors still have no idea. And so as I would be falling asleep almost every night for, for, for a long time, I would be looking at the walls or the ceiling and it would be popping in and out close to my face and far away. It would be like I put on a pair of binoculars and then I took them off really fast. So the reason why I bring this up is um, that it started occurring um, after a, I guess you could say a gray encounter that I had, um, whenever I was pretty young, if you want me to tell you about that really quick. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not sure the exact age that this happened to me. Um, cause it, it seems kind of like a, I would say it was a dream, but it was like a very, very real dream, you know? That's exactly how I talk about mine or used to. Uh, you know, I, I always was sort of cautious about calling it anything more than a dream until Mike Clellan, you know, told me, no, I, I've described my experience the same way. I think that's what a, a lot of people who have the grays have a similar experience, honestly. But But anyway, continue. So in this, if you want to call it dream or experience, experience works, I guess. I was standing outside of my house at night and 
was, uh, actually, for some weird reason, I was standing in the sandbox that we had. I don't know why I was standing in the sandbox, but I was looking out across the yard, and it was dark out, but there was a full moon. And I see these three figures standing across the yard, um, two small ones and one big one standing in the mill, uh, almost right at the edge of my yard. And I just stand there staring at them for a little while. Of course, I can't pick out any like particular details because they're so far away right, right at that point. But I get terrified, um, you know, and I turn to run and... Um, as almost as soon as I turn to run, I know that they're chasing me and they're coming after me. And then I feel something hit me in the back and knock me to the ground. And I feel something, I'm like struggling, you know, I'm laying in the sandbox and I'm kicking and I'm trying to get up, but there's something pinning me down. feels like somebody has got their forearm on the back of my neck and is pushing me down and pinning me down. And then lights go out and, you know, I wake up the next day and, just have this weird dream, I thought, right? About how old were you when you had this? <clears throat> I was probably an adolescent at that time. Okay. And did you see, so you, you were able to identify them as like somewhat typical grays when you saw them? Yes, definitely. As they got, as, you know, as I, I was turning to run, they were starting to walk toward me. Um, and that's when I was decided to start running because I could see what they were, mm-hmm. you know, and at that point, you know, I wasn't interested in aliens or any of that kind of stuff. I wasn't interested in anything supernatural really up to that, up to that point in my life. Um, but, um, yeah, so they pinned me on the ground and, um, and that's when I, when I blacked out and woke up, but yeah, there was two, there was three of them. There was, uh, one that was taller. And there was two others flanking him that uh, were shorter. Yeah, that's typical. Did you notice any details about what they were wearing or anything? I don't think they were wearing anything, or at least it didn't look like it. It just looked like, you know, the the atypical uh, grays, you know, genderless grays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big black eyes and all that. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so creepy. I'm, but uh I'm just yeah, not a the, fan. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely not a fan. Um that would freak any kid out. Especially, I mean, it'll freak you out as an adult, but when you're a kid and you and you have something happen that like that to you, then uh you don't know what to think. And so after that, you know, and you know, I really haven't until I started really writing all this down cuz I have it in front of me, full list of weird things that have happened to me. I, after that point is really when weird, really weird stuff started happening. And um, that's around the time when I started having that Alice in Wonderland syndrome or started happening to me. And at that point, I got very interested in, in the supernatural. And I started turning toward, well, I was, I was raised in a very Christian family, you know, and uh, my father and mother were very involved in church. And so they brought us along. And so for some reason, I started wanting to have, let me rephrase this. I started wanting to um, experience more of God, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got extremely religious very rapidly. Um, And I'm not sure, you know, if this is a direct result, but it happened around this time. And so 
I started wanting to pray all the time and started wanting to, you know, uh, get into, I started getting more into like the charismatic side of Christianity because my parents were very, uh, you know, very Baptist. Um, so they weren't into any of the more charismatic stuff like, uh, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all those things. And I got very interested in it, much to my parents' chagrin, just because that wasn't the type of church um, I was raised in. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, long story short, I built this, I didn't build the shed, but there was a shed in the back, and I turned it, my shed outside into this prayer closet. And so I would be, I would be, um, go to this prayer shed and start praying for, uh, for probably an hour at a time when I was young, I was really young, and I didn't realize it was weird uh, for somebody that's a teenager to be going out and praying for a long time. Um, and you know, I started getting interested more into, I had, a, I, I knew somebody that was into, uh, the Kabbalah and of course I didn't tell my parent that <laughs> I was starting to learn some of the Kabbalah from this guy. Anyway, I started getting into the Kabbalah and, um, so I was, I was having more and more interest in the supernatural during this time and it started happening right after I saw the grays and maybe, you know, I just wanted to find out more. And so I started looking into that things and one thing led to another and that's why I got interested or maybe it's um, because of what happened to me that I don't know. I hear about other people who have experience like that um, get um, interested in supernatural. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, that tracks a lot of people. They will have that sort of spiritual turn after, you know, some sort of encounter like uh, with the greys or other entities of the sort. So what I was going to say is that after I started getting involved in the, the Kampala, um, I wasn't super, super deep in it, um, but I was spending time over at my friend's house and he was teaching me different things. And I was beginning to see different things, you know, I would see orbs of light flashing by and different strange things like that. Um, so really my interest in the occult began to ramp up during that time. And then I moved to Honduras. So my parents decided to become missionaries and we ended up moving to Honduras and my father was going to be working at this, um, I guess you could say kind of like an orphanage, but uh, they would put him like in foster families on this ranch style compound i guess Mm -hmm. and so moved to honduras and we moved in this house up on the hill and it was this big old wooden house and uh, i had a few experiences there one night whenever i was uh walking down the hall and at this point all the other children had been born and so i start to walk down this hall and there's this black cloud floating in front of my brother's bedroom, like this black mist just sitting there. And I only saw it for a second or two before it just completely disappeared. It evaporated and it was gone, you know. uh, And, you know, I didn't really think about it a lot after that um, because, you know, maybe it could have been just my mind playing tricks on me or something. But a little bit, I don't know if it's before or after that incident, I would share a room with my brother that's one year younger than me. And I would wake up at night and I would hear something 
whispering to me, telling me that my brother was going to kill me. I would wake up and I would be freaked out and I would jump up out of bed and I would run to my, run to my door, you know, to get out of the room because that sounded like an audible voice. And, you know, this happened like two or three times to me and I would wake up and I would jump out of bed because I'd hear something telling me that my brother was going to harm me and I would go back to bed. And it only happened a couple of times, but that really set me on edge. It'll stick with you. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That really set me on edge and freaked me out quite a bit because that was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. And is that all it said? Basically. It was just repeating over and over in my mind, this, your brother's going to kill you. Your brother's going to hurt you or, you know, something like that. And, you know, I never, you know, and I was, it made me literally feel like my brother was going to hurt me. And so that's when I could say that my sleepwalking problem really began. Um, because after that event, I started, I would start sleepwalking. I would just, you know, you know, stuff that you hear, just wake up, find yourself in a strange place um, or doing a strange thing. But most of the time I would just wake up and I would be standing facing a wall and I would be freaked out. I would have no idea where I was, you know, and I would be like, you know, scrambling, trying to find where I am, where, you know, and after. So so most of the time when you did it, you know, when you wake up, you're still in your house though, right? You hadn't left the premises. No, I hadn't left the premises. I hadn't, you know, gone and done any, any weird stuff. I hadn't like gone and eaten or peed in the closet or anything like that. I would just be, you know, standing, staring at the wall or standing in a corner or something like that. And whenever it started. Logically, you have to put it together that you were sleepwalking, but Sure. It seems like such a hurdle to make, I guess, or I don't know, maybe it's immediately logical that, oh, I must be sleepwalking. I don't know. How, how did you come to that? Was it, I guess that's the question. Was it immediately obvious like you'd been sleepwalking or, or did you have to put that together over time? No, I mean, of course I thought I was sleepwalking. You know, I thought, I mean, I, this is sleepwalking. It has to be, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, I, why would I think any different, mm-hmm. you know? Um, these days, I think a little bit different, but I'll get that into that in a second. So after Honduras, um, I stayed there for about two years. And I, when I left and came back to the States, I was 18. Um, and I'd met somebody in Honduras that I was going to marry. And I'd gotten engaged to her. And my dad was like, well, you're getting married. You need to get out of the house and go get a job. And, you know, so I came back to the States and got a job. And at that point, I moved in with my parent and my grandparents for a little while. But right before I got married, I um, moved back into my parents' old place. Now, unbeknownst to me, the renters had told my grandparents that my house was haunted. Hmm. And that they didn't want to live there. And we'd had another renter that I talked to about a about a year after I came back and they said the same thing. And, you know, I thought they were just messing with me because they would say crazy stuff. They were like, yeah, the sinks were turning off and on and, you know, by themselves. And I was like, yeah, they gotta be messing with me, you know, cause I never experienced anything when I, like that whenever I lived there, you know, but before I heard all that, I moved back in and 
I would feel this heavy presence inside the house, you know. And at first I thought it was, you know, depression um, because I moved back away from my fiance and I was trying to do the visa process because she was Honduran trying to get her back to come to the United States. And nothing was working. The visa process got denied the first time and after about six months and a lot of money and I went into a, a very hard depression, you know. And so logically, I thought, you know, I was feeling like, you know, that presence in the house because I was depressed, you know, and I was stressed out, you know, and I tried to ignore it. But every day I would come home from work and I would, I would, you know, and I was here alone at the house and I would start to feel really depressed and I would feel like something was watching me and it was just getting worse and worse. And so one day it uh, reached its climax when I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I just started screaming it at the air saying, leave me alone, you know, telling it to get out of my house and to leave me be and, you know, and, you know, all that jazz. And, uh, you know, it actually worked a little bit. Um, I didn't feel it as strongly after that. Um, but I have no idea what that whatever it was because i never actually saw anything you know mm-hmm. you know you, you sometimes you know i see stuff out of the corner of my eye but you're like oh, i'm just seeing things or whatever but yeah i started feeling that really strongly and another thing was one day i was got home i don't know where i was coming from but i got home late one night and i love i love stargazing and looking at the stars um and just i always have my eye to the sky in general you know just because um you know i, I don't know i always feel like i'm going to miss something <laughs> i don't know i'm weird that way but anyway i was looking up at the sky and i saw this red star and i'm standing in my yard and i'm like what's that and because i'm like stars aren't red but it was just sitting there not not moving not doing anything and then it blinked and then it blinked again. It started pulsing, and I, and I kid you not, that thing starts pulsing, and all the dogs in my area started howling, like they were going crazy. And this thing blinked and blinked and blinked, and then disappeared, and was gone. And I don't, I don't think that probably isn't related to what happened in the house, but that's just another thing that. It comes to my mind when I think about that period of my life around, well, around this, then. Is the the same house where you had the grays? Yes, this is the same house. Yeah, see, that's super interesting. Same house. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Those two may be correlated. Um, but yeah, the next thing that happened after, um, after all that bout of depression is finally, after all year and a half of working hard and getting all the paperwork together and uh, paying everything that needed to be paid, um, my wife was able to come to the United States and my, my fiance at that time. And we were able to get married soon after, only a couple months after that, we got married. And um, we went on our honeymoon. And this is where the probably the weirdest event in my life happened. So the night after our honeymoon, uh, we came back to the house and we went to sleep. And next thing I remember, I wake up, I'm sitting up in bed and the lights on in the room for And I look at the door in, of my room and my wife is standing in the doorway, looking at me, terrified, with that, a look of absolute terror on her face, and her shirt is soaked. And I woke up because I thought I heard, I heard yelling and, and, like, screaming. And I woke up, and I realized it was me, and I, and I was screaming. And my wife says, are you okay? Are you all right, baby? Is everything good? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you all wet? And she's like, you don't remember? You really don't remember? And I'm like, no. I, what, what happened? I just woke up because I heard some yelling. Why are you all wet? She's, she still has that terrified look in her eye. And she's like, baby, you woke up and you were screaming like an animal. You were screaming like a wild animal. And you pushed me out of the bed. And I was, I had to run over here and turn on the light and I was trying to help you. And you grabbed that glass of water over there and you threw it at me. And your eyes were open the whole time. How do you not remember that? Wow. <laughs> of course we get up. We got to get out of this house because, you know, we don't know what's going on. She's terrified of me. Nice, nice day after a honeymoon. Huh? <laughs> your wife terrified of you. Right, and we yeah. just, we just drove to the Walmart and sat in the Walmart parking lot and got some drinks and came home. <laughs> she slept on the couch for a couple of nights after that. And I have, I have absolutely no idea what happened. You know, I could say, you know, tied with my sleepwalking, maybe, my body thought there was some stranger in the house and freaked out and some fight or flight instinct kicked in and I somehow don't remember any of it and somehow threw a glass of water at her with my eyes open and not awake, but I have no idea. I've never had anything like that happen since then. My wife still tells me to this day the house that we're living in and for a while, um, whenever we first moved in, I would feel like that same type of presence that I'd felt before, um, that heaviness and that darkness or something's watching you or whatever, mm-hmm. when I first moved back in here. But my wife, she feels it very strongly sometimes. She says she doesn't like being in the house alone. 
uh, by herself. Uh, she said she feels like sometimes there's somebody standing behind her, watching her or whatever, you know, and it's only in this house. You know, we've, we've lived and moved in a, in a couple different places, but it's only in this house that she feels this. Now, now this, my, is, this is, again, the, the same house you were talking about before. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. the house where I, where I live, where I grew up, basically. Now, my sleepwalking, on the other hand, um, which may or may not tie into this event, um, has I, goes through cycles. There will be times wherever I sleepwalk uh, during the year, and it's like certain times of the year um, that it happens. And then there will be other times when I'm absolutely nothing for months and months. And then all of a sudden, there will be you know, weeks straight where I'll wake up and I'll find myself you know, running out of the bed. Like sometimes I'll wake up and I feel like there's like that same feeling I had back at the, back in Honduras, whenever I felt those things, whatever it was talking to me, mm-hmm. I'll have the same feeling, not, I won't hear anything, but I'll have that same feeling and I'll jump out of bed and I'll, I'll like run to the kitchen or whatever, <laughs> you know, like something's chasing me. And there'll be other times when I don't feel that at all, but I'll be just standing in the corner or, one really weird time I found myself and I was crawling on the floor. I woke up and I was on my hands and knees on the floor. And that was very weird. Do you take Ambien or anything, you know, prescriptive uh, sleep aids? No, you know, and I, I thought about, you know, could it be something in my diet? Could it be something, you know, just something uh, psychological or Something like that, you know, I mean, possibly it is, but it's definitely not medication. And I thought for a while, maybe it was caffeine, you know, um, but I don't, I don't drink caffeine anymore. And I still had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what it is. It could be something neurological, possibly, you know, I'm not going to say that, sit here and say that it, it's not for sure, you know, but I, I don't know. I just think it's too coincidental to have experiences in the house plus all the other weird stuff that happened around uh, where I live and that at the same time, you know, and on top of that, I'll, I'll throw this one thing in here. Um, a couple of months ago, my wife woke up and she told me this is the first time she'd ever slept walk or maybe the second, but in this house, at least it was the first time she'd ever slept walk. And she said she woke up on the side, sitting at the end of her bed and she said there was a bright light coming from outside. Like she said she was looking outside um, and she said it was bright as day outside. And she didn't know why, because it, obviously it's in the middle of the night when we were sleeping. And, you know, she has that same feeling you have whenever you sleepwalk. You don't know where you are, or what's going on. Um, but, yeah, um, she said that she woke up sitting at the end of her bed, staring out the window and it was bright as day outside. Wow. So, so I thought that was pretty weird as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my question would be what makes you say sleepwalking versus, you know, I, I don't know. I just ended up at the end of my bed or whatever, sitting up, you know, which I guess would be a form of sleepwalking, but without the walking, I guess necessarily. But my mind just immediately goes, you know, to something else. When you talk about a bright light shining through the window and you find, no, your, you find yourself in a place where you weren't before. No, yeah, of course. And so, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, it's like it seems like it's a combination of so many different things. You have the house being feeling like it's haunted, and then you have the the gray experience, and then you have the sleepwalking, and then you know, so you're like, what's going on here? I have no idea, but it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, what the chances of a couple getting married and then both having sleepwalking would be. You know, what I mean, that I I would think that would be very very low. The chances of that. Sure, I get that. And, you know, um, but like I said, it was the only time that she's ever done it. Mm-hmm. But um, I did forget to tell you that the same brother that experienced the, the wolf, uh, not the wolf, I'm sorry, the, the fox, fox shadow, mm-hmm. he also has an issue with sleepwalking. And his sleepwalking is far worse than mine. Um, so one example was... Uh, whenever we still lived in Honduras, he was spending the night at a friend's house or something. And, you know, he would sleepwalk at the house like a lot and sleep talk in the house a lot. But his sleepwalking would get, could get violent. Um, so, for example, like I said, he was at this friend's house and he would start, he'd like, they slept on this, this bed that was set up on some pallets. I'm not sure, sure why, but he, got so violent that he punched the pallet and broke a slat by hitting it in his sleep. And he woke up and he was kicking and punching and stuff. And he'd had bruises on him whenever the next day, Hmm. you know, and he also had had experiences in this, in this house uh, where I live now, where, where I'd had the experiences. Um, And this was only a couple of years ago. And he said that he would be falling asleep. And he said, Kind of like I did in Honduras, he would hear something speaking in his mind. But he said it sounded like something was like singing a song in his mind, this weird, creepy song in his mind. And he said he he said um, out loud to for it to stop. And he said he heard audibly in his ear next to him, "No." Whew. And that and of course that freaked him out and um he has since moved and went to college and he said he hasn't had any sleepwalking problems now um or anything like that since he's moved mm-hmm. so it was in in honduras that he experienced that and here um at our childhood home we experienced it but when he moved out of this out of the states uh he never experienced it anymore so maybe it has to do with the location or something at the location. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it seems like it's a family thing. But nobody else in my family experiences any of those things. Um, just him and I. So, I mean, could be something psychological. I'm not ruling that out. Um, but if I pair that, <clears throat> those experiences with the things that my wife's experienced, then I might get a little bit of a different picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got one more thing to share if you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I said my last one was the weirdest. Um, and this one's, um, close, close second. And this experience happened to more than just me. Um, so this experience happened to me and my wife and two of our friends. And we lived in a different part of the North Carolina at that time. And we were going to go on a vacation to uh, this place called Lake James. And so we were all in the car uh, driving. And all of a sudden, this is, this is going to sound crazy, but all of a sudden, this 
huge ship thing flies across the, the highway. And now uh, your mind might automatically go to like flying saucer or something like that, but that's not what it was. Um, and there was more than one. There was like two or three. And my mind is a little bit fuzzy on that, but I'll tell you in a second why. Um, so there was two or three of these things. And best thing, best way I can explain where these things kind of look like if you turned a skyscraper sideways and you gave it a little bit of a bend in the middle, but it's all like cobalt gray or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It looked very, very, very military, I guess, you know, very just perfunctuary, you know, and there was more than one of them and they just were flying very, very rapidly from one side of the horizon across the highway to the other. And there was this very low humming coming from them yeah, that you could almost, I guess you could feel it, you know? And so I flew across the highway and my friend that was with me and um, his wife, like, did you see that? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I saw that. And, and my wife apparently, I mean, she was there at the time, but she didn't see it. I guess she was on her phone or something. I don't, I don't know how you could miss it because it was huge. These things were huge, massive. They were over a hundred yards long each. Wow. I mean, they were absolutely massive and they flew across the road and then we just continued on our way and went to Lake James and never talked about it and <laughs> never talked about it after that. And I think later I asked, I was talking to it about my wife. I was like, did you remember that? Or did, it, did I dream that? And she's like, no, I, I remember you guys said something about it happening, you know, because I always ask my wife if something happened because she's got the best memory of anybody I know. Mm-hmm. I think it's like photographic or whatever. Um, but anyway, I asked her about it. She's like, yeah, that happened. And she asked her friend about it and that was there. And she's like, yeah, I think I remember something like that happening, you know, but it wasn't like, it was like, it was a vague memory to her or something like that and to and to me i didn't think about it until a long time later just like popped into my head i was like oh yeah here's this memory that you had remember that you know and so i mean like how could you forget something like that how could you forget these absolutely massive things flying across the street across the road and right in front of you across the highway you know and so I was like memory wipe or something. I don't know. It's yeah, crazy. I'm, well, I mean, it has that same sort of feel to it that of those events that we talk about on the show a lot where somebody will wake up and see something frightening or, you know, see something next to their bed or a Bigfoot looking in the window and then they just roll back over and go to sleep. It has that same sort of feel, even though, you know, you weren't you didn't go to sleep. It has that same kind of, oh, yeah, you know, this sort of casual acceptance of something that should not be casually accepted. Yeah. And, and it's like, what is that? You know, it happens in so many different things, you know, like you're saying with Bigfoot and with aliens and with, you know, other events. Uh, why, why is that? I wonder. Yeah. yeah. Very, very strange. There's no uh, time unaccounted for on that trip. Like you, you got to where you were going at the time you were supposed to get there, et cetera. Um, as far as I can remember, um, I don't have the best memory in the world and in general. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure we did. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we had any memory jumps or anything like that. I mean, I've had on my own, I've had experiences like that. Um, but you know, you could just say I was overtired or something like that. 
you know, but um, on that particular trip, no. So these crafts, were they blocky like skyscrapers? So they didn't look aerodynamic, in other words? No, not really. Um, I guess you could say, I don't know, blocky kind of like something you would see like in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, no, without the propellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but like I said, it looked like like they turned a, a skyscraper on their side, gave it a little crook in the in the in the middle. You know, spray painted it uh, gray, um, bolt metal gray, and um, you know. But of course, the windows weren't all even like in a skyscraper; they were in like different spots, as far as I can remember. Like I said, it's like my memory. It's like this memory is like kind of like a dream. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, did that actually happen? But no, I have witnesses that were there with me. So it did happen. Um, and then there was that low humming that you hear about in other mm-hmm. um, UFO experiences that kind of like more like you felt than you heard. Kind of reminded me like whenever uh, I used to work in construction, whenever a steamroller uh, would be going and there's this low humming that goes through the ground mm-hmm. that you feel through your whole body. That's what I can relate it to feeling like. Did you notice any lights on those craft? Mm, no, but it was daytime. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it was broad daylight, you know, and there was two or three of these things, you know, of course you would expect it would be in the news the next day uh, <laughs> it, because they were on the highway. Hundreds of people should have saw those things, but no, I don't, I don't remember any lights. I just remember being two or three of these things. Um, I was, um, near, I believe an air base, which is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I live in Jacksonville, North Carolina, near an air station. So I see helicopters, airplanes, and all kinds of military stuff all the time. I have never seen anything like these things in my life. Yeah. I Um, I mean, that's absolutely massive too. (laughs) Yeah. They are huge. They were huge. They were like, I don't know. Like I said, they were, they were like a hundred yards long. Not like a you know stealth fighter or something that that you get somewhat easier to hide. That's a uh, completely mm-hmm. massive. No, they weren't trying to hide at all. They were very low too. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty low, but yeah, uh, crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. About what altitude would you put them at? Just you know, guessing. Um, I don't know. Probably if you had a fifty-story building, mm-hmm. so uh, maybe not that low. I don't know. They're, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I'm not very good at judging distances. Yeah, but they were, well, they're... altitude's really hard too. Where people have asked me that before too. And I've been like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> close, closer than an airplane, but not you know, way, cl- but, way but, closer than an airplane. Yeah. But higher than the, the, the top of buildings, but closer than an airplane. That's, you know, yeah. If you took yeah. a, a skyscraper in, in New York, it would probably be about at the top of that. Mm-hmm. That's how low these things were. Yeah, which is for something that size, it's pretty low. Yeah, very low. And they were right next to each other, um, flying in some sort of formation or something. And yep, from left to right. And yep. And then we just went on like on our merry way, like nothing happened. Hmm. And again, it's something I hear again and again where people are like, Yeah, we had this amazing thing and then we just kinda went, Yeah, I don't know, one with our life, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like it's weird that a lot of these paranormal events have this dreamlike quality. Yeah, and you're like, you know, are we just 
you know, is it something that's our mind is creating, but then, you know, it would have to be jumping from one person to another for experiences like this. Right. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, mass hallucination. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't think there is such thing as a mass hallucination, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I should point out that, you know, when I'm asking you things like, were you on Ambien? You know, do you think this is a parasomnia? This is not me trying to explain it away as something that is um, not related to anything paranormal. Again, it's all tied in, but, you know, sure. if someone was, is on Ambien, that might play into it as well. Uh, it's know? an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you, I mean, obviously, um, people take ayahuasca, DMT, all of these other things to become in an altered state of consciousness to experience different things. Why can't Ambien um, or NyQuil do the same thing, you know? Well, yeah, and the, the, those states, those liminal states, you know, as you're going off to sleep, as you're waking up, they're really, really powerful times. That's the time where you can probably access these other worlds or maybe these entities or whatever they are can more easily contact us. It just seems like that's the time for this stuff to happen, as you know. So many guests on the show have, have talked about so many weird things they've seen in these states. Yeah, of course, and I, I've had some very powerful dreams in in those states of just falling asleep, you know, or or just waking up, you know. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, well, Caleb, thanks so much for sharing your stories. Very, very interesting stuff. I hope nothing any more disturbing happens. There's, there's, you know, some of those are pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah, but thankfully nothing too scary has happened in probably the last ten years to me. All of this, all of this stuff that I've told you happened up to the point when I was about twenty, twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm about to turn thirty now. Um, so, and that's uh, the the other thing they said in the book about the parasomnias is that they usually kind of go away as you get older for most people. Most people. Yeah, it seems to me now that um, in order to have experiences like that, um, I have to actively seek out the experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, yeah, nothing, thankfully, um, too crazy has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Good. I hope it continues that way. Uh, Once again, thank you for sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks for having me, Timothy. time to thank our patrons we couldn't do the show during normal times without our patrons and during these times your support means much much more so thank you guys thanks for keeping the show going if you like what we do if you like the content we make and you want to get more of it you can help us make strange familiars by becoming a patron at patreon go to patreon.com slash strange familiars For $3 a month, you can get extra shows. We've done over 50 patron shows at this point. You get all 50 of those shows the minute you sign up and any new patron shows we do going forward. Like I said before, we're going to try to do extra shows during this time for everybody, patrons and everybody alike. We know it's a rough time being sequestered. We want to give extra content and we're going to try our best to do that. There are other levels of support at Patreon. You can get different things like t-shirts and pins and stickers, copies of my books, copies of my CDs, even original artwork. You can check out all the levels at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. 
If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon and you want to help with a one-time donation, at strangefamiliars.com, under the show notes for every episode, is a paypal.me link. You can click that and make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing, wherever you're listening, whatever podcatcher you use, whether it's on Apple or Google or Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, like and subscribe and give us those nice five-star reviews because that helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. Also, if you just want to tell a bored friend about us. <laughs> yeah, now's the time to do now's it. Now's the time. Like, hey, you might enjoy this. I, I'm also welcoming suggestions for uh, podcasts, TV shows, movies that maybe just have escaped my limited viewpoint previously, but now would be very much... Now's the time to catch up on stuff, you know, and... and Maybe find, start a new hobby, I was like saying, photo find, collecting. Find new stuff, yeah. <laughs> I love the seamless transitions that are, like, so forced. That... <laughs> Speaking of photo collecting, let's do the photo of the week. Cool. So we're talking about Alice in Wonderland syndrome, and you know I like a theme. You do like a theme, and you do like Alice in Wonderland. I do, I do. I love, um, if we're recommending things, I really love the Svankmeyer, which I'm going to butcher the name. The, the Is it Jan Svankmeyer, um Alice movie? Yeah. That was one of the first movies I ever showed to our children, which is not appropriate <laughs> when they were really little. Very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rabbit the, pulls the nails out of it. It's a, it's a taxidermy rabbit. Yeah, it's a taxidermy white rabbit who pulls his, and the stuff is, sawdust is coming out. Pulls the nails out of his out of his hands to get off the taxidermy stand. Yeah, it's a cool movie. So uh, this is a play on that, and that this is a little girl who has um, very much adopted the Alice in Wonderland look. She has striped tights, and what I, I don't know if you can see it in this picture. You can, well, you can actually see it in the picture, but to me, it looks like she has a little locket that looks almost like a gigantic um, watch, almost like the White Rabbit. Had. Oh, let me look at that. That could be a watch, right? Yeah, yeah. So yes. she has a very Alice in Wonderland kind of she vibe does, to her, and she's super cute. Yeah, she's a super cute little girl who would have had her picture taken in Brooklyn, probably sometime in the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, probably. Okay, so this was taken at the Windsor, which sounds um, very cosmopolitan, and on Fulton Street in Brooklyn, uh, probably around the eighteen eighties. Very cool. How much are we asking for this? This is a cabinet card, by the way. So yeah, this is a so cabinet card. It's like kind of sepia toned of a beautiful little Alice in Wonderland girl. I would say $13 plus shipping will get you this beautiful little girl. $13 plus shipping. If you go to the show notes for this episode, you can see a picture of it. You can click on that. It'll take you right to our Etsy shop where you can purchase it. Last week's photo of the week mm-hmm. sold within 10 or 15 minutes of me posting the show. Don't you post it at like three in the morning? <laughs> yeah, it was two or two thirty or something in the morning. Oh, that's so awesome! It it sold quickly. So, thanks for that. That also helps us. Mm-hmm. One of the things we do is we sell photos. So, purchasing the photo of the week helps the show as well. So, thank you guys for that. It's also a really neat hobby collecting photos. It's, it's really really interesting. Yeah, I think it's very affirming in these times that what this little girl probably lived through in her lifetime. Uh, compared to what we live through on a regular basis is probably... Yeah, this for her, like what we're going through right now? This is like... That was like Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But without the internet. Yeah, exactly. God, can you imagine this? Like when we were kids, how awful this would have been. Oh. 
Because like know everybody's what... answer in our age group um, was to just go outside. Like like how many times did you hear as a kid just go outside? And I did. Yeah, and I loved it, and that wasn't a punishment. That's the thing. Like I think about that now, in terms of me going off to the woods alone. Now mm-hmm. I'm a grown man. I can handle myself. I used to go off to the woods when I was a kid all day long and just wander the woods. My parents didn't know where I was other than I was outside playing. And I would want, now I had a very protective dog with me most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. He was my partner. You know, he, he would have taken care of me. And he literally time. could have said Timmy's in the well. <laughs> <laughs> because he was part Cali. <laughs> No, because your name's Tim. Oh, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and he also would have gotten the name right. Yes. Because <laughs> he knew you pretty well. He did. he did. No one knew me better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the, I was just reading that book and they talk about um, Generation X as being sort of the last untamed group of children who were, you know, had a, an experience with the wild that other generations, well, they have it. It's just not as um, interactive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely more protective, I think, of our kids. I think, in general, that's the experience of our generation as parents. I don't know if that's a little bit of patting ourselves on the back, saying we were the last generation with an experience to in the wild, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, everyone has that to some degree, I guess. But... Or I think people just have different experiences. Mm-hmm. But I certainly, I mean, and again, I think about it today and how I just went. I just went. And one of the favorite times of my childhood, just wandering through those woods with the dog. Um, That's probably because you were away from your family. I mean, honestly, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Entirely possible. But I, I think, hope they like, never find me. <laughs> if I was gone as an adult for that amount of time. I would be worried. Yeah, you yeah. would be contacting me like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. So, uh yeah, that was, it was different times. Um, I think that's probably what, what would have happened if this would have happened back then. I think mom would have been, go outside, you know, go play. I think that's what happened even during, we were just talking about how this is like the 41st anniversary of Three Mile Island, which for people who weren't alive or maybe just weren't as keyed into it because it, it happened very close to us. It was sort of a proto-Chernobyl, like the potential for a nuclear right. um, reactor to, to melt down. Uh, and so there were, it was a lot of harrowing worry times when I was uh, a kid when this was happening. I, I don't remember a lot of it, but it reminds me of that sort of uncertainty. And um, the good thing is that kids are really resilient. And while they might pick up on your uh, your worry when they're really little, they, I don't think they have a really keen understanding of what's going on. They just know something's different, but they're adaptable. Everything, when you're little, something's different every day because you're changing so much. When Three Mile Island happened when uh-huh. I was a kid, it seemed like it was so far away. It was like somewhere in Pennsylvania, like somewhere else. But it was only probably like 25, 30 miles from, as the crow flies, from it. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't live that far. I mean, you were in like instant radiation zone, right? All of us would. Uh, I wasn't. Well, that's what I was going to get to. My, my favorite story about Three Mile Island is yours when you said they were going to evacuate you three miles down the road. Mm-hmm. Not even that far. It was right beyond the 20-mile limit, so that put us in the safe zone. Yeah, yeah, like, what is two miles or three miles going to do Like, what, at that point? 
It's so bizarre. Like, I think it's people who were in charge who had no more idea of what was going on than the people that... And we just got really lucky. Yeah. We just got really lucky. Well, everybody, stay tuned. Again, we're going to try to knock out some extra content, both for patrons and for everybody during this. We'll see if we can. There's only so many hours in a day, even when you're sequestered. My day doesn't change a whole lot. (laughs) You know, I'm still working on the book. I'm still working on the podcast. I'm still working on all those projects that need to get done every week as regards the podcast. So it's not like I I suddenly gained extra time to work on this stuff. So, but I'm going to try, going to try to do extra shows for everybody because now's the time uh, to do that. I think Josh and I are, really close to finishing volume one of where the footprints end a lot of people have been asking when it's going to come out josh says april i say i hope april maybe may but it's coming really soon maybe (laughs) maybe (laughs) no it should it will definitely be out by may at the latest i think as long as see i don't know how the virus slows down production and getting proofs and stuff back from the printer yeah, there might be a delay there. Yes, but as far as our part's concerned, it should be ready to go by April. And then we're at the mercy of production at that point. So it's coming soon. I am very, very happy with this book. It has absolutely changed my perspective on the Bigfoot phenomenon. And will you have Josh on to interview him about your own book? Yeah, I think Josh and I will probably... <laughs> will probably We'll do at least one show together, maybe maybe a few. We might just kind of do a real long, uh, deep dive into it. We'll see. I know people are having like online events now. I mean, you could potentially have like a little talk that you do. Maybe if we can. Yeah, we'll see if we can organize that. Um, I am. I think I'm part of a one of those online Bigfoot conferences. Um, we got to shore up the details, but. I'll let everybody know about that as well. So that's coming up as well. And that'll be, that might be Josh and I together. We might be doing a a joint talk on that as well. Just trying to work out all the details. But yeah, online conferences are becoming a thing during all this. I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see what we can do. Will Bigfoot be there? At the conference? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, he's from the Pacific Northwest. Probably not. I don't know. If, <laughs> what Bigfoot's everywhere? Dro- drop that. That is that is that is a uh, Sasquatch prejudice. <laughs> B- Bigfoot is everywhere. Bigfoot is everywhere. People are. So he's at home now. I mean, he could be looking in your window right now. Comforting. Yes. So everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. If you can help people, help people. If you can be kind, be kind. Because these are trying times. We'll be back soon with more strange familiars. Because the strangeness doesn't stop. It does not (laughs) stop. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group as well. And we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.